The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. So let's jump into it. Ephesians chapter 3. So we've been in this series, Limitless, that was meant to be uh, only three sermons long, and now it's turned into a limitless long series. We got into the third part, God's limitless love. We started with God's limitless power, God's limitless forgiveness, which became two sermons, and then God's limitless love, which has no cap on it, although I know Christmas is coming. Uh, And so we're going to spend some time hanging out in this incredible prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And I've been asking you, if you're part of Christ Church, you're following to spend just a few minutes each day in this passage. Some of you did that. You did your assignment. You're the A students, teacher's pet. I see you. You're smiling. I did it. I can tell. Some of you are like, oh, that's right. He said that. I forgot. It's okay. God loves you. Grace for you. We're going to keep doing this together. There's more weeks, but uh, we're in our second week. And I just last week wanted to introduce to you this, this powerful prayer. It really is astounding when you read it. It's a, it's a really a limitless prayer that we would experience experience and understand God's limitless love. And that requires a power that is foreign to us. It's something that we receive by faith through God's Holy Spirit. And so it really is humanly impossible, but divinely purposed. And so we want to like sit in that and saturate that. And this prayer, uh, this really became a catalyst for me about 11 years ago. I became a lead pastor in a kind of a reformed Baptist church. And I had some pretty dogmatic ways about thinking about God that manifested in some uh, moralism and some judgmentalism. That's where I came from. Whoo, but you're already seated. So it's too late to get up now. Uh, And I, I really saw the world in a very narrow way. I saw God in a real narrow way in a box and it made me treat different kinds of people in different kinds of ways. And um, I started studying the, 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 the scriptures, not just as a pastor, which I was, and not just as an occasional preacher, what I, what, what I was, but to bring the word every single week. And I started digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And God brought me to this passage at that period of time. And it started to unlock my mind a little bit. And I started to experience the love of God in ways I never have. And, and I want you to begin to experience the power of God's spirit on the inside of you, unlocking your mind to be able to understand and experience for yourself the dimensions of God's limitless love so that you can live in a way that is filled to overflowing with all the fullness of God himself. The world needs you to be the you brimming with the power of God. Do you know that? You need it too. You're probably more aware of that. You're like, I need that on Tuesday. Forget the world. I got teenagers. You know, I don't know where you're living, but... But we all need that. And so um, we're going to jump right into Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read this prayer, and then we're going to meditate on a piece of it. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all 
the fullness of God. (laughs) Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God, what a prayer. What a prayer to read, to hear, to meditate upon. God, what a prayer that opens our minds to realities beyond our daily experience, that gives us a glimpse into your desire for us and what you want to do through us in the world. God, we need this kind of perspective. We need this kind of lens in order to live in this world and to live in such a way that other people are changed by an encounter of your fullness. And so God, we just express our self-awareness to you, our need, but more importantly, God, we fix our eyes on the promise of your spirit to give us this strength, to give us this ability to comprehend, to experience for ourselves the dimensions of Christ's love and to know it for ourselves so that this morning we might leave here not only overwhelmed by your affection for us, but having grown in our capacity to contain it and grown in our willingness to share it. God, would you do the impossible for us and in us this morning? We're looking forward to it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I've been thinking a lot about limits, actually limits. It's, uh, it's budget season. I don't know if you guys own a small business. I don't know where your fiscal year lands. For Christ Church, it's budget season. For the Jarvis household, it's budget season. We try to get ahead of the holidays. You ever notice how your grocery bill skyrockets in November? Something happens to me now that I'm getting older. I feel this pain when I throw away leftovers from Thanksgiving. Anybody ever feel that? I never felt that as a kid. I remember when my, we would get all these turkeys. We grew up in like a poor family, and so people gave us... Um, Thanksgiving, and we would like regularly get like four turkeys. That's it, just lots of turkeys. And we'd have turkey, turkey with cranberry dressing and turkey with stovetop and turkey sandwiches and then turkey soup, and we were just, just turning everything into turkey. Anybody else grow up like that? Just turkey, turkey, turkey. And I remember being a kid and being like, I can't handle any more tur-. I was a hungry kid too. I was like, no more turkey, I just can't. Just put that stuff in the trash. And now as an adult, I'm like, I paid for that. <laughs> you feel that? You feel me? I like remember being in the line at Publix going, I should have shopped somewhere else. <laughs> now I'm scraping it into the trash can. So uh, we budget. When budgeting is all about putting limits on things. Do you know it? So we're budgeting for next year. We're budgeting and limiting our staff capacity and our facility repayment schedule and maintenance. We're thinking about ministry and how do we, how do we spend less and give more? And we're doing the same thing. And we use zero, zero budgeting, zero-based budgeting at home. You guys do that Dave Ramsey style? Every, every year you wipe everything off you, you spent and then you start with what you have to add until there's nothing left and that's what you do. It's very constraining, isn't it? You're like, oh, my fun stuff's on the sheet that I'm gonna throw away. Zero budget, zero bounce budget. That's what we do. And I've been listening to the news, which is troubling. Yeah, because it's like there's budget things going on in our world too. Are you guys aware of this? And that's a little harder for us to get our head around. And so usually we're like, I'll let somebody else deal with it. And that's become dangerous. And I heard this number. Have you guys seen this number? 28 trillion, 841 billion, 673 million, 978,652 dollars. You guys know what that is? It's actually not the national debt. That's, the, that's our credit limit. 
That's our credit limit. We reached it on Wednesday. Did you guys hear that? Were you listening to that? We, we owe that much. And uh, Congress was fighting over whether to take out another credit card. That's, what, that's what's going on. I don't know if you guys listen to the news. Because they say certain things, but they avoid what's actually going on. So like, I found this uh, website that kind of put it in perspective for you. Imagine for a second that um, the government is managing the average annual income of the United States, which is $68,703. Some of you are like, average? I didn't realize I was so far below average. $68,703. Um, and they sat down to do their budget, and their, their budget is $131,620. That's what they were planning to spend. Just in case you were wondering, they don't do the Dave Ramsey thing. So that means that in just the next fiscal year, we need to borrow $62,917 to do what we want to do for the following year. So I thought it was tense to have this conversation with my wife about our finances. <laughs> I'm like, hey, babe, can we talk? <laughs> can you imagine? Um, but the problem is that we already have $541,000 on our credit card, and they won't give, there's no more room. So they get swiping nothing. So this is what's happening with the, the, our country's money. Did you guys know this? Some of you know this? Just so you have some perspective, this is what's going on. And Congress is fighting about whether we're going to get another credit card and we created an extension for ourselves, which nobody talked about. It ends on December the 3rd. So my birthday is December the 4th, so the end of the world could happen on my birthday this year. <laughs> so, uh, so this is what's happening. And they did it in a super sneaky way. And um, they, they like, did these weird loophole things so that nobody had to actually vote on whether or not to take out a second credit card. But they essentially went down to Amscot and got a paycheck cash advance loan. And they were like, oh, we found some money. We're good. Who got that? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. So anyway... Uh, Good news is Halloween, fine. Thanksgiving, we're good. Christmas, we'll see. I don't know how this is going to go. But I'm thinking about these numbers and I'm trying to get my head around how do we deal with this? Like, what is like the right way to think about this? And I've been talking to different people who are real smart and listening to really smart people. And uh, there are some people who will say, you're thinking about this all wrong. This is not a problem because you don't look at the federal spending like you look at family planning. It's not the same thing at all. They don't, the rules don't apply. And so I'm like, okay, well, help me understand this, because I'm a simple guy, and uh, when I dumb it down like this, it just seems like we're just spending too much money when you do something different. But no, that's not the case. Um, and I was introduced to the modern monetary theory. Have you guys heard about this? There's a lot of people, specifically progressives, that espouse this way of thinking about the economy, and this is the mo modern monetary theory. The central idea of the monetar modern monetary theory is that Governments with fiat currency systems, that means ours, no gold standard, it's no fixed amount of value, it's just however much money you have, you use, and it goes up and down. Uh, they have a fiat currency system under their control, can and should print or create with a few keystrokes in today's digital age as much money as they need to spend because they cannot go broke or be insolvent unless a political decision to do so is taken. And so we can just push the debt bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and just make more money, and we're good. I mean, that's how I lived in my 20s, right? I remember getting my first credit card application. It was like $10,000. $10,000? And I would go places and I'd be like, I was a little nervous at first. I'd be like, swipe. Approved. <laughs> you know, it was, like, it was like free money. Did, it, did you ever feel that? Did any of you grow up without parents to tell you how to use money? Right? And you just have this feeling like it just never ends. Like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I went to California. Southwest Airlines, $98. <laughs> you see that? Just 
go there. You're just making money out of nowhere. But eventually you reach a limit, right? Credit limit. And you're like, I have no more fun. So like, this is what I thought how the whole world worked. But apparently if you're the government, you can just give yourself a, a, a credit increase and just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. But here's the problem. Here's what I found. Um, the reality is, is this doesn't work. I don't know if you saw, if you ever seen one of these pictures, this is uh, Bernie Sanders' plan for free electricity. You guys ever seen this? <laughs> this sounds like that, doesn't it? When I talk about just like more, just make more money. Because the definition of inflation is when you have too many dollars chasing too few product. And just your dollars buy less and less and less and be worth less and less and less. And then you start like making, like all of us are gonna make a million dollars a year in like five years. But it won't buy you anything more than it buys you now, probably less. So just the money amount grows. That's what like inflation is. So we have to have these limits and how does this work? But here's the reality. I don't know if you picked it up in the definition. You see how you can't go broken and solve it unless a political decision to do so is taken? The reality is, is that with this type of thinking, all we're doing is we're shifting our currency from dollars to decisions, which means we're handing all of the power without restraint into the people who get to decide what to do with the money. Do you realize that? That's what the system does. You can just make it work on a spreadsheet and keep saying nothing bad will ever happen, but that's as long as the people who are in control are able to do whatever they want. Do you see that? And so it's not that it's plugged into itself, it's that we're just letting somebody else make all the decisions for everybody. But what happens when you give somebody else all the power is that you lose all the, the freedom. And that comes when you're not willing to say this far and no further. Do you understand the importance of limits? And so we need to have some limits. Now, the concern is, and I know that all government officials and bureaucracies are excellent managers. They're really good at efficiency. They create awesome systems. Everything runs smoothly if you let the government have it. And no one is, is corruptible who's in the government. They're all moral people who will never take a bribe or take anything of value in order to do something that's not good for everyone, but it is good for them. And because of that, we can completely trust them and let them make all good decisions for us forever. Do you realize that? In fact, reality is if you do this system, you don't even have to have taxes anymore. We, you don't, because they can just make more money. In fact, we can just pay everybody just to be American. I'm literally, I'm not joking. This is how the system works. You literally can have a civilian basic income. Everybody gets paid. Do you realize this? But a little taste of this is why your Christmas presents aren't coming. Do you know that? They're sitting in a rented storage facility on a barge off the coast of LA, and they're not coming. They're going to stay there. That's where they're going to live. Merry Christmas. And if they do get to a harbor, there may be not enough people to unload them and then not enough truck drivers to get them across the country to you. And so like, this is what we're creating by disincentivizing work. So the limits are super important. Do you guys recognize this? You're like, why are we talking about this? Here's the problem. Our whole world doesn't care about this at all. Most Americans are like, don't mess up our, don't crash our world by refusing to increase the debt limit. That's crazy. Don't do it. And that's what's happening around us. And maybe you thought that way when you came in here and you're like, what are we talking about? Where does this come from? Why is nobody talking about this like this on the news? They don't want you to know. The problem is, is that the same myopic focus on right now that makes us not care about every human being born in America being strapped with 
a $200,000 share of national debt right now and mostly just worried about the price of gas or the availability of cheap goods available shipped to your door on Amazon, that same myopic focus is the same thing that causes us to miss out on the true source of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Do you realize that? What's not true, though, is that what God's inviting us into is a limitless resource of his love. Listen, we have a limited resource of money, of goods, of labor, all of these things. The reason this will never work is because there is no limitless resource. All of those things are limited and they must therefore be managed and balanced. Do you understand? You have to. No matter what your political persuasion is, those things must be managed because they are limited resources, they're commodities. But we are missing out on a limitless supply of power and love that would reshape the world if we were to lift our eyes up for just a second and ask God to let us experience it for ourselves and begin to explore its parameters. And that's what this prayer is about, a limitless prayer for a limitless understanding and experience of God's limitless love. And I hope you're soaking and saturating in this prayer and thinking about it but we have this thing where we're going, what about tomorrow? What about this situation? What about this fight we're in in our marriage? What about my 12-year-old? What am I supposed to do in this situation? And we get this focused, we miss out on what God wants to do. I call it wasp on me syndrome. It's wasp on me. I have this, we have a pool and the wasps like the pool and the kids are playing in the pool. And um, as soon as a wasp is on them, that's literally all they care about. I'm like, kids, pick up your toys. <gasps> Now, that's a legitimate thing to freak out about. Can I get an amen? Any, anybody allergic to wasp stings in here? No? Just pain? Just pain in general? Listen, when there's something that's urgent and that is painful that you're trying, to, you're trying to react to, sometimes it's good to have wasp on me syndrome. Focus on the thing right now. The problem is it's a terrible place for us to live. You know, it, in, it induces stress, anxiety. It turns you into the worst form of yourself. It causes you to be irritable and rude and all the things that are not like love. Do you know it? And so this prayer and saturating it is meant to zoom us out. It's meant to give us a perspective, a broad understanding about the situation as it really is. And I want to try to do that a little bit this morning. We need a, a bigger picture of reality. And this prayer is prayed, as I mentioned last week, in its global context and in an eternal scope. Global context. I love the way that Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That's a little play on words there because the Greek word for family, patria, sounds like the word father, pater. And so he's saying, literally, everybody gets their name from the Father. Do you realize it? The patriarchy comes from the Father. We get our name from the Father. We had one of the guys in men's group this week talking about our conversation with an atheist and they started talking about the fact that the date is 2021. He was like, you realize the date that we all use is a reference to the birth of Christ, the God-man. Do you realize that? Like we're all working off this system because the world as we know it changed irrevocably when Christ was born and that became a recognized event in reality, in history. It's not a false thing. And it's the same thing that has to go with this global context. Uh, God looks at the world and he sees his whole family, all my children, every single one of us, every single one of us. 
but we don't. We get myopic about our situation. And I felt it even this morning. I wake up really early in the dark on Sunday mornings. I like my time with the Lord. I like to be in the word. I like to like finish my notes and I like it to be quiet. One of my neighbors was setting off firecrackers at 10 minutes to five. I'm serious. All my children are sleeping. If those fireworks had woken up my four children, that would have ruined our all morning. Do you know that? That's what would happen. And so I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? And I'm trying to like lean into God's limitless love for me and in, in general. And I wanted to go out and scream at the dude in the road. Stop. There's a time for firecrackers. And it's not Sunday morning at 4.50 a.m. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it's also Biketoberfest. So all the motorcycle enthusiasts are here. You know, it's funny, when I was a kid, like the average age of a bike week tourist was like 46 years old, but no new bikers have been added to bike week. And now the average age of those same tourists is like 66 years old. And so they're all waking up at 5 a.m. to go to Denny's and Bob Evans. And I'm hearing all the motorcycles leaving. Like 15 years ago, they were coming home from Main Street at 3 a.m. when everything closed. And then they didn't get up again until 11 a.m. You know what happened? Well, they're in the 60s now. That's what happened. They went to bed at a reasonable hour and they got up for a hearty breakfast, you know? And so here I am in the middle of Beachside Tourist District in my little single family home, which I chose to live there. And I got firecrackers and motorcycles going off. And I wasn't feeling super loving. I wasn't. And the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me going, you know that guy lighting off the firecrackers or girls, probably a guy, we're all pyros at heart. You know that guy? I love him with the same burning intensity that I love you right now. Wow. I was like, praise you, God. I don't. I don't. I hope he blows a thumb off or something. Help me, Lord. Help me. I just reached my love limit. It's set to missing appendages. Help. Help, Holy Spirit. It's a global context. God's thinking about the whole world. Think about this for a second. Uh, there is a spiritual economy and its source is limitless. It sources the nature and character of God. God is love. It's in his nature. He's predicated by love. He is love in his essence. The reason there will be no end to his love is because there is no end to God. He is an all-powerful, eternal being who emotes love, personifies love. And that love has been moving into the world to create for himself a family with which he could share that love. You know? I hear people talking, young people talking about how they maybe not even want to bring children into this dark and broken world. And I want to tell him, you know, but God wants you to bring children into your beautiful, loving family. He wants, in the midst of a broken world, he wants you to bring children in. He wants, he wants to create a place where love is experienced in the family. Do you know that? Even though the world's full of problems, God wants to pour out his love and he wants that love to travel through family. And when God looks at the world, that's what he sees. Now, some of you have a black sheep sibling. Anybody have a black sheep sibling? You're like, I didn't. It was you, turns out. Right? You're like, I know it was me. I still feel bad. But everybody's God's, God's child. And he's done everything necessary to unleash his limitless love for every person. Because the, the reality is, is that every human being, no matter how vile, is an object of God's limitless love right now. I mean, John 3.16 tells us, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you see that it was God's motive 
Romans 5 talks about how God loved us. And even Ephesians 2, while we were still weak, while we were dead in sins and trespasses, God's love was fixed on us. The question is, will we become a recipient of that love by being joined with Jesus, by be, receiving God's forgiveness and salvation? That's where, that's where that happens. So I love Romans 5, 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so nothing stands between us and experience of God's love. We have peace. Through him, we have also obtained, received, there's this transaction, access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what we did in our third song. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings not because of our sufferings, but in the midst of our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through faith, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die, for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that God has for us. That's the love that God wants to pour into us. That's the love the Holy Spirit wants to bring out in us. And that's why when I'm praying and wishing ill on said firecracker thrower, the Holy Spirit says, nope, wrong answer. I love that person, just like I love you. God's love is for everyone. His love is for everyone. Do you know that? He looks into this broken world and he doesn't look for the good people and the bad people. He doesn't look at the problem creators and the problem solvers. So much of the way we view the world is looking at it that way. He doesn't look at the world that way. We can talk about John three sixteen. We can talk about Isaiah 59. This is a prophecy about what Jesus would do when he came 600 years before he did. These, all these passages from Isaiah 40 to 66. Look at Isaiah 59 with me. Select readings for time's sake. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. God's able, God can. It's not anything missing in him that the world is the way that it is. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You have a problem that needs to be overcome. And listen to this as a brief description of what the world was like then and not too far off from the worst parts of our world now. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. You try to do the right thing and you get punished for it. Anybody feel that? My dad used to say, no good deed goes unpunished. I'm like, that's dark. <laughs> but that's what it says. But look, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. God became a man of war to crush sin and to make peace and through the blood of Jesus invites all people into his presence to experience forgiveness and 
and salvation and restoration. Do you see it? God looked into our dark world and he did something about it. He came, he made war and he conquered. And now he reigns victorious and we are invited in. Look at verse 20. A redeemer will come to Zion. Remember, this is prophetic. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord from this time forth and forever more. And it was to the apostle Paul that God revealed the reality that this wasn't just for Jacob. It wasn't just for Israel. This was what God would do for everybody. You get salvation and you get salvation and you get salvation. Everybody gets salvation. Yay. It's amazing. And it's global in its context. And so we need to have a global mindset. You have a global mindset. Everybody, everybody. That's why Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? Because there is nobody who's not an object of God's limitless love. And shouldn't that drive us to pray prayers like this? I mean, we, we have like households of two and four and six people and we're like driving each other mad, aren't we? And we need the power to love the person right in front of us. We certainly need the power to love the firecracker throwing neighbor and the 5 a.m. Harley startups. Loud pipes save lives. Not at 5 a.m. They don't, right? Let's give that thing a rolling start. It's got a global context. God wants to reach everybody. And and isn't it great that there's nobody that God can't reach? Do you know that? There's nobody. Uh, I talk to people regularly and they say, I invite people to church all the time. And uh, I'll hear people say things like, I can't go to church unless you want the building to fall down on everybody. That place will catch on fire if I go to church. Lightning will strike it. Regularly, I'm like, Lord, please don't let lightning strike the building during the service because we don't want to confirm people's false suspicions, you know? When, uh, we first, when I was first preaching, we were actually in this room. It wasn't as nice as this. And um, we had these old lights and they were like these like hot lamp halogens and they would get to be like 2000 degrees. And um, you're supposed to wear a white glove when you change the bulbs out because just a little bit of oil from your skin at that temperature turns into like its own firecracker. And uh, a couple times in my early preaching career, I would be preaching and one of the lights would literally explode. Wham! And then hot ash molten glass falling out of the ceiling. Fortunately, there was never very, very many people in that kind of church, and so it usually hit an empty chair. So if you ever happen to see a chair with charred pieces on it, that's where that came from. But man, it would get everyone's attention. I didn't even have to preach hellfire and brimstone. People were repenting from the lights. They're like, oh, forgive me, God. You know? The reality is there's, there's nobody outside of God's saving power. This is what the author of the Hebrews tries to help the Hebrews, these Jewish people understand they're trying to hold on to the priesthood. They want to continue a priesthood. And the apostle, the apostle that writes to them is saying, you don't need that. We have a forever priest. You remember the priesthood? They took this oath and then they would serve and live and die and the next one would come and they were prevented in being priests forever. Why? Because of death. But now we have a priest that lives forever. In fact, he's kind of like that mysterious priest from the old world, Melchizedek, that no one knew where he came from. And he didn't have lineage or mother or father. He was chosen by God and placed. And and Jesus is a priest like that. And it says, consequently, in verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That means you can't even screw it up. Do you know that? Sometimes people are like, I want to give my life to Jesus, but I don't know if I can keep this up. (laughs) You don't have to. 
All you have to do is keep leaning in towards him, let him do his work. He's got, a, he's got the power to save you right now, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. And he's got the power to sustain you and perfect you as your high priest forever. He's powerful to save. And that's for everybody. And so it's a global, it's a global context. And that means it has an eternal scope. That means it goes on forever, right? We sang about that, the idea of heaven coming to earth. This is why it's important to study eschatology, the end things, the how this is going to go in the future. Our hope is fixed to what we expect to happen. And there's actually a lot of bad eschatology out there. There's a lot of people that believe a lot of wrong things about what the future may hold. Uh, we probably should have a series on that, mental note made. But uh, we need some hope about heaven coming to earth. And that's the promise. The promise is that Jesus is going to return. That's what we're waiting for. The imminent return of Christ could happen any moment. could happen today. This could be the last sermon I ever preach. And then we get a much better preacher, the Lord himself, right? Could happen today. And so we're always ready. We're always, and when it happens, he says he's going to speak a word and everyone who's ever died will be raised into a resurrection of the just and the unjust. And this is where uh, the eternal salvation is doled out. This is where those who have put their trust in God are welcomed into an eternity on the earth where heaven now is overlapping with earth in perfection and Jesus rules and reigns. And those who have rebelled against God will end up in a destruction made for God's own enemy, the devil and his demonic forces. And the world will change forever. That's where this is going. It's eternal in its scope. And until then, God wants us to proliferate and make more people. And so we have this opportunity to carry on a, a generational faith. That's why I love being in a generational church. I love that there's people over 70 and 80, and I love that there's people that are brand new, little babies, just want to sniff their little head, right? It's true. I don't know why that impulse comes from, but I just love to sniff a baby head. It's just like the smell of new life, you know? Just love that. And we just want to be a church filled with that and to give that good news and to overflow with love from one generation to the next. And that's where this is going. You notice at the end of the prayer, when we think about God filling us with all the fullness of God himself, he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This is already in progress. God is at work. To him be glory in the church, the place where he's doing this primarily and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. So this is an eternal scope. And it changes our perspective. We had a men's group uh, Thursday night. We were here. We do these large groups on Thursday nights. This week is a Friday night because it's our joy group. Those 55 and up. But we're, midweek, we're always doing something to connect with each other. So we had men's group and we're talking about this. And one of the guys was sharing and he was saying how he's, uh, he's working at Starbucks and he wishes that he wasn't. And we were talking about calling and what he's meant to do and where God wants to take him. And he was saying that he felt stuck at Starbucks. And then this prayer and thinking about God's love for the people who were coming in there and the other people that worked there, he came to the realization that he wasn't stuck at Starbucks. He was stationed at Starbucks. And God had him there for a purpose. And he was going to keep him there until he fulfilled that purpose. And he wanted him to be this person who knows God and is filled with the fullness of God and is overflowing with the love of God, is encountering the power of God by his spirit and ministering to confused employees with no hope. And people talking to other people on their AirPods while trying to order a latte. Those people. You thought firecracker people were rude. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody as a clerk while they're on the phone with somebody else? Can I, can I give you guys some like, practical instruction on how to be an awesome human? If you're going to buy something and you're going to look eye to eye with another human being, get off the phone. Can I get an amen? 
Anybody? Anybody? I, some of you are young enough to not realize that this is a thing because you didn't grow up in a world where there weren't phones to be on and you actually talk to the person that's in front of you. But I saw this happen in a Starbucks where there was a guy on the phone and he was holding a bunch of stuff and um, he had his one coffee and the other guy was saying, here's, here's your second coffee. And he went like this. Like he gave him a pinky finger, like just one second. Like all of the physical attention I can muster to acknowledge your human existence. Pinky finger. Wow. So listen, if you go through the self-checkout line, you can keep talking, keep listening, but can we unplug our ears and turn off our phones when we're gonna see another human being? Can I get amen? amen. Okay, that was for free. When we allow ourselves brimming with the love of God by the power of God and this miraculous thing that God does, it's humanly impossible, divinely purposed, and we're soaking in it and we're experiencing it and we're walking in it, it's gonna transform the way that we see the world. And this was Paul's experience. I don't know if you read all of three. Some of you, I'm not gonna have a raise it, show of hands. Some of you maybe read all of Ephesians. It takes about 20 minutes. Some of you may have read just this prayer, 14 to 21. Some of you may have read all of chapter three, but all of chapter three is this interruption. And it gives me great hope as a human and as a pastor, because Paul literally interrupts himself and comes full circle. He starts chapter three in verse one, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he begins to describe himself. And then he gets all the way back down to the end of his stream of thought and comes back to, for this reason, I, in verse 14. Anybody notice that? He has this excursus about himself where he's talking about his role and what God's called him to do and how everyone should have faith in God to answer this prayer because God is doing this thing. He's revealing this mystery that's been held for ages. And the apostle Paul was the one to receive that mystery and then give it to everybody else. But he says in verse one, it's not on the screen, but it says, for I, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner on behalf of you. Talk about being stuck at Starbucks coming to the realization that you're stationed at Starbucks. Paul's saying, I am a prisoner on purpose because God's called me to get the message out about Jesus. And there's a world full of people who have no knowledge of God and he's commissioned me and he's empowered me and he's put this message in me. And this is what God wants to do. He wants the world to know that they are an object of his love and there's power available to them for salvation and there's power for transformation and they're welcomed into this new thing that God is doing called the church. Isn't that crazy? It's just amazing to me. It's amazing. It's an eternal scope that radically transforms our perspective. Moses got this in Psalm 90. He started to think differently about his purpose, God's plans, eternity. And there's this amazing Psalm. You can, you can meditate on this as well, Psalm chapter 90. It says, a prayer of Moses, a man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Think about that for a second. That's, those are meaningful words coming from a guy who literally camped for 40 years. Some of you are like, can't wait to buy my first house. The stock market, the housing market's inflated. Prices are high. Inventory's down. It's a bad time to buy, isn't it? Moses is like, I lived in the desert in a tent for longer than you've been alive. But what is his perspective? You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, 
For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. That's God's perspective. Um, this is why it's, it's very hard for us to be patient. You guys know this? And I, I wanna give you a little bit more advice, a little practical advice. Don't pray that God would help you be more patient, okay? Anybody know this in the, in the room? Anybody made this mistake already? Because what will God do when you ask him to make you a more patient person? He will make you wait, right? Because patience isn't about how long you wait, it's about how you wait, isn't it? Patience is about the condition of your, of your spirit in the midst of waiting, right? And God will definitely teach you how to, how to come to yourself in patience, and you'll do so through waiting. But he's saying God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. People ask me all the time, why is God delaying? When, when is the end of the world? Do you think this is it? Is the, is the vaccine mandate the mark of the beast? I'm like, I don't know. God's super patient. It says that like a thousand years has passed and feels like a few minutes or the watch of a night. It's been a couple thousand years. God's like feeling like, it's just been a couple minutes. When we, were, when we had little kids, we tried to help them understand the passing of time. When are we leaving? In an hour. How long is an hour? That is... Uh, Three veggie tails, right? <laughs> Trying to give them something to hold on to. Like, okay, veggie tails I can handle. Three, three veggie tails is an hour. But God's not in any kind of hurry. But he's very passionate about getting work done in our hearts. Do you know that? He knows that you're gonna go from how you are right now to fairly decrepit to dust in the matter of a couple breaths of his experience as God over you from everlasting to everlasting. But he's incredibly preoccupied with your condition and with the miracle that he wants to do on the inside. And he would love for you today and every day to encounter his Holy Spirit and to pray this prayer and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you know that? So that you have a capacity to engage in his global context, to see people the way that he sees them. And to have not a myopic perspective on right now. Right now, right now we need this. Right now we need an extension. Right now we need more credit. Right now we need... A little bit more money. Right now, we need a little bit more peace. Right now, we need, right, 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 right now. God says, hey, actually, this is going somewhere really far into the future for lots more people than you can imagine. And where I want you to be focused is on getting all filled up, all filled up. Now, here's the great news. God's love is limitless. God's power is limitless. And God's resources are limitless. When you will make the move of aligning yourself with the purpose and calling of God for you every single day, you will never run into any type of lack whatsoever. Now, if you go off the reservation and decide to do your own thing, your own way, and ask God to fund you and fuel you, he's likely to say, no. Do you understand that? But if you offer yourself completely to his service every single day, God will give you everything that you need. I bet God gave Paul everything he needed in prison. God, I desperately need parchment and pens. Done. I could use a cloak. No problem. I need a friend or two. I will send one. Get me out of prison. No. I got letters for you to write, and I know you will prefer to speak if you can, and so I'm going to lock you up and make you write them down. You see how God works? And so don't see yourself as stuck. See yourself as stationed. And if you feel empty, Remember that you are. Next week, I'm gonna do a little cool object lesson to give you a visual for this that hopefully will help you hold on to it a little bit better. But we wanna be people that come to God 
to be filled, expecting to be filled to the point of overflowing so that we can engage in this global context, so that we can have different feelings about our firecracker throwing neighbors and traffic and traffic and traffic. I love, I love that 2 million people a year come to Daytona Beach as tourists. Did you know that? 2 million people. Think about this as a missionary. You could actually just stay put and just talk to tourists. Do you realize that? You could be a stationary missionary. That could be, that could be your jam. Just talk to people, tell them about Jesus. And if they don't like you, they're gonna leave anyway. It's an awesome opportunity. But you'll never do that until you're overflowing and you're feeling stationed and not stuck. Until you're valuing the people that you talk to and you're not seeing them as a nuisance or a cause of traffic or not like you or part of the problem, do you see? And so it's time for us to let God do what only he can do and he's ready to fully resource you. I wanna close with 1 John 5, 13 to 15. John is the oldest disciple of Jesus. This was one of the latest written letters and he's writing to churches that he loves dearly, calls them his children. And at the end of his longest letter, he tells his church that he loves why he's writing these things. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants you to know it. He wants you to be so confident that you have this gift of God. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And that's where God wants to meet you. He wants to meet you right where he's stationed you. He wants to fully resource you. He wants to answer these impossible prayers to overwhelm you. He wants to open your eyes to see not just our Jewish past, but our global future. And he wants, to, wants you to experience what it means to be loved by him and stationed right where he wants you to be. Amen. God, I pray for each of us. Lord, we're all signed differently. We're all equipped differently. We all have our own individual internal battles. And yet you are God to us all. You are a shepherd. So Lord, I just pray that as we, your church, your, your emissaries of future goodness to the world, as we seek to be who you've called us to be, to walk as Jesus walked, to walk in, in holiness and in love and in power and truth, I just pray that we would begin to encounter you daily in a way that just overwhelms all of our doubts and all of our insecurities and all of our fears and just brims us to overflowing with an awareness of your great love. God, that having experienced your love for us, that we would begin to see other people as objects of your great love. God, that we would be moved to give them our attention and our, our affection and our time. And God, I pray that you would just give us such great hope for the future. God, your eternal future. Lord, we, we have stresses of things like the economy and the government. None of these things matter, God, because you rule and reign on the throne. Ultimately, Lord, we're gonna go through cycles and building up and tearing down, God, but you remain from everlasting to everlasting. And I pray that that truth would find a home 
in each of our hearts. God, I pray for anybody in my hearing this morning that has not received your gift of eternal life. They may know a lot of true things about you. They may think they have everything they need, or they may think that there's things that keep you from loving them. God, I pray that you would dissolve all of those untruths and by your spirit, overwhelm them with your love for them and draw them in. God, I pray they would have faith to receive the gift of your son, Jesus, today and to be welcomed as a child. God, do in us everything you want and send us out to be your voices of truth and your hands of love. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you have any need of prayer, or if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ this morning, our prayer teams are here and they would love to pray with you before you leave. We look forward to the next time we can connect. God bless you guys. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us. We'll see you next week.